But if I wasn't surrounded by the right people that can actually like take my vision, like with you and Steven being that strategic person, this that strategic mind, I mean, if you didn't have all those other people there trying to tell you, okay, gotta stop, we gotta wait, you know, we can't really roll it out to everyone else yet, it, it could it could be chaos, right? Welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast to grow yourself and your business profitably. Linnea Carver, she is awesome. Uh, I've known Linnea for years now, and uh, I've watched her build her business and thrive. And uh, she's now teaching others how to do the same thing. And she's teaching specifically on social media. Um, but without getting into it too much, Linnea, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, and uh, yeah. A little bit about your your backstory. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm Linnea. Uh, I'm actually here in the Tacoma, Washington area. I've been in real estate for, it's kind of a long story. I like to say my whole life. Um, I actually grew up with a mom who had gone through escrow mortgages, and now she's a realtor. She's a retiring realtor now. So I've been around the business my whole life. Um, but I actually didn't really get my license until 2018, mostly because I uh, did loans for a little while in 2006 to 2008. I specialized in subprime lending and well, we all know what happened. So I got out of the business right then, uh, worked my way into corporate America and went through corporate where I was really lucky to get basically, uh, a PhD in business. So I learned everything in my corporate career from entrepreneurship to leadership to uh, difference between leadership and management to business process to solutions to marketing, merchandising, sales, all of the above. So uh, I was really able to take that into my real estate business in 2018. And I worked the first year in real estate part-time, still had my corporate job, left in uh, February of 2020. And well, <laughs> we know what happened then. <laughs> the world crashed again. Um, and you know, it was kind of then in 2020 that I really had to figure out how I was going to be a little bit different. I didn't have a lot of money to start the industry. I didn't really have a lot of, you know, guidance in marketing per se, other than what I had learned from corporate, but my mom, you know, she was my mentor and being that, you know, an old school realtor, I like to call them old school, her, her marketing was all sphere and farming. And, you know, I just didn't really see the need for that. So I actually, um, started digging in and learning about video marketing uh, and really learned how to capitalize on social media. So I was able to take my business from zero to now this year, uh, we'll cl I'll close uh, myself, not my, without my team included, I'll close about 20, 20 transactions on my own, went from zero to about 500,000 in GCI. Uh, and now I'm actually taking what I've learned over the years and helping other agents do the same thing with their business. Well, that's awesome. So now, what? Um, so, so when you said that you kind of made that transition from corporate to uh, real estate, wh what would you say were some of the skills that uh, translated really well to what you're doing now? Business acumen. I think that that's something that a lot of people actually miss. Like we hear in real estate, run your business like a business, but what does that actually mean? And I think that that is the skills, the number one skill set that has gotten me to where I'm at today is that I, I actually know what it means <laughs> to run a business. Uh, I'm super consistent, super, super organized, uh, super structured, um, as well as just a great salesperson, a great relationship builder. But I think the most important thing, or the, the, the biggest thing is really the structure, the systems, uh, and the organization in my business. Yeah. So having that uh, background in, 
in sort of having been through what would be maybe a more structured business. I mean, a, a lot of um, a, a lot of entrepreneurs in general, I would say, uh, they got into entrepreneurship because of the fact that they, um, they, they maybe they 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 had an idea or they uh, they they thought, okay, maybe I could create a business using my unique skills and talents in a way that doesn't quite fit the norm of of having a nine to five. Even yesterday, I was speaking to. Um, uh, another guy, another entrepreneur, and he was telling me his own story and how he got into to business and his his old journey. It didn't fit the corporate world, so I, I agree with you. I think I think entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter what industry or business you come from. Most entrepreneurs don't really know what that means yeah. because, and that's why I think people um, end up looking around saying, "Well, there's got to be something I'm missing here." Because how come that person seems to be able to? to grow or scale or do it a little bit more efficiently than myself. So when you say that um, it, it's some of the, the structures and the systems, what does that look like in your, in your business today? Well, I mean, I think, you know, when I say, when I say systems, a lot of times people are thinking like tech stack and I like to differentiate between a tech stack and a system. So a system for me is every Monday, for example, these are the people that I'm calling. This is the group of people that I'm calling every Monday. And then if they don't call or if they don't answer the phone, the system is, okay, I'm going to call them on Tuesday or I'm going to send them a video text or I'm going to send them a message or whatever. So that's what I consider to be a system. Um, like a social media system, for example, would be on Mondays, this is the content that I'm going to post. This is the format I'm going to post it in. And then this is what's going to happen when I get comments or likes or shares. This is, this is, it's like a structure of how it, how it works. So that's kind of what I would consider a system. A tech stack to me would be something like, you know, we have, um, for example, on Instagram, we have a a system of comments. So if we the call a call to action and someone comes in with that call to action, we have a many chat, which is a, a tech, a many chat automation that will start the conversation. And then from there, we'll actually take it from many chat. We'll have a Zapier, take it from many chat into follow up boss, right? Follow up boss is a CRM uh, and follow up boss will then start it on an action plan. So it's kind of a little bit different between what I would consider to be a system and a tech stack. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. So you 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 paint out your your system, mm -hmm. you execute on your system, irregardless of whether or not you have a tech stack. But then you're adding those tech stacks to either automate or add efficiency or make it easier to do the thing that um, that you're doing. And and a huge part of that is consistency. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, could you maybe touch on a little bit about even because one of the things I saw, uh, you shared on one of our masterminds um, your content flow. And I thought, man, you are so organized. It is such a good thing to see. Uh, you don't see it every day. Yeah. Uh, but having that organization really does help you be so much more productive because you're not having to figure out a lot of the little like nuances, like where did I put this or what should I do or what's, yeah. what's tomorrow's action plan? It's all figured out and you can just take action, which I think is excellent. So could you communicate a little bit about your, your consistency and how that's gotten to you where you are? Yeah. So Consistency starts with having a really good plan. You can't you can't do anything consistently without a plan. The example that I really like to use because it's really relevant in my life is I am I'm very very into fitness. I've been into fitness for the last 25 years. So for me, like I don't just go into the gym and wonder what I'm going to do today. 
I go into the gym. I know that today is upper body day. Upper body is specifically back and shoulders or back and biceps or whatever it is. And here's the, here's the, here's the compound structure of how I'm going to put it together because with, with working out, especially if you're doing any sort of aesthetic bodybuilding, which is more what I do, um, you don't want to just start with biceps, right? Because that's kind of like a smaller muscle group. You want to start with a bigger muscle group. You want to lay the foundation, right? So you want to start with those big back muscles, right? And that's essentially how it goes with, with planning in my business. Really good example is right now with my course that I'm rolling out, we are um, currently working on uh, a lot of the, trying to get the automations set up. So the system was just get the course out. Here's the structure of how the course is going to be laid out. And then let's figure out the, the details of the, of the automations later. So right now, we are, I'm actually working on a project plan that includes all the different phases. So here's phase one, phase two. I think we have about seven different phases of what that project looks like. And within each individual phase, for example, uh, someone signs up, you know, that's what I consider the sign up phase. So within that sign up phase, here's all the steps that need to happen. And then with each different, with each different phase, I'm asking myself what could go wrong, right? Cause I'm trying to look ahead and say, okay, what could actually go wrong here? And what happens is when you do that plan, uh, and you do, and, and you actually have those questions asked and you're able to kind of foresee the risks that could come with it or the benefits that could come with it. That creates that consistency because it puts everybody who's, who's accountable for that project. It puts everybody on the same page. So everybody knows, Hey, today it's Monday. These are all the tasks I have to do today. These are all the tasks that are due tomorrow. And so we're not missing any steps. And then we do that for every single project for every single thing before it gets rolled out. A good example, the one that you were alluding to is moving our remarketing campaign from how I'm doing it now over to the street text campaign, right? And so we're planning out how that's going to look. What could be, what are we looking for? What are we testing for? But um, we're saying, okay, we want 60 days of rotating content because 60 days of rotating content means that I don't really have to touch it every day. <laughs> and that's, I think that's where inconsistency comes from is having to touch something every single day. and you don't really want to, like you want to, you want to plan it out. So we're looking ahead at like the 60 days of content and we're saying, okay, here is the content that performed for us in these three areas. We have three different metrics we look at. We recycle our content uh, at least three times uh, before we decide whether or not we're going to use that in retargeting. Uh, because if it worked organically, it's definitely going to work retargeting. So um, we recycle it three times and then we have a spreadsheet where we say, okay, here's what's running right now. Here's how it's performing. We look at performance on a week over week basis. Um, and then, you know, we kind of set it and forget it for the next 60 days. Um, so that's really where consistency comes from the solid foundation, that that plan. Like it, I mean, like the gym. I could talk about the gym all day, every day. People try to lose weight. They try to lose weight. And what they do is they go out and they're like, okay, I'm gonna go run five miles today and I'm gonna cut all carbs, I'm gonna cut all sugar, I'm gonna cut all fat, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm gonna do all these these diets and then they, they, they can do it for like a week or two, then all of a sudden they're craving something, your body starts craving it. And that's what happens in your business too. You try to like, just go and do everything. I saw this cool thing. I'm gonna do this. I saw this cool thing. I'm gonna do this shiny object syndrome. And then you do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, shoot, I don't know what to do now. It got messy. Okay, I'm just gonna cancel it. So you don't really know if you if, if it actually worked. Right. You don't, you don't know. Cause, cause you didn't give enough time because you didn't have a plan because you just, you were inconsistent about it. And so I think that that is really where, um, 
that that's where my team and that's where my business has really excelled is being able to have that solid plan up front. So that was a great analogy. Even just talking about so going to the gym, you're going to work those big muscles first. And <clears throat> that makes, sorry, that, that makes so much sense to me. Like the, uh, the, the way you're, you're structuring your marketing is that you're looking at, okay, what's the big picture first? Then you can go into the like minutia, the tiny details. But I think that analogy really translates to almost any aspect of strategic planning in business, which is let's figure out the big muscles first. Let's figure out the big plan and then we can work down. Um, so, so something really cool. I was looking at the uh, stats of this podcast. Most of the people listening are 77 uh, percentage are in the US, but the next big amount is right oh. in, in Europe, like Stockholm, Sweden, uh, that, that whole area. And I was like, hey, that's so cool. So that uh, Luxembourg. So I, I I don't know why people are so cool that you're you're, you're listening. Um, but if you're so I'm so I'm always thinking like how do we translate that so for whoever's listening. But the um, but that that concept I think that really does apply universally. Yeah. And I I I'd never heard anybody say it that way. So that is very interesting. Um, so that is very cool, Linnea. The uh, the next part that you said though I think is really important, which is when you are taking content any kind of content, and you're looking at creating a marketing engine, one of the mistakes that I see social media marketers do is they want to will their content to reach yeah. the audience. And so they'll take underperforming content and they'll put budget yeah. behind it so that it gets the awareness that they're looking for. Rather, which what you're saying is a better approach is figure out, learn from the content that is gaining tra like traction in, in your marketing. So when you put it on Instagram, when you put it on YouTube, okay, what are the pieces that are actually getting the uh, awareness that I'm looking for? And then put budget behind yeah. that. And and that's a different approach than the boost the underperforming content so I can report that I got the reaches that I wanted. And it, it's a much better, uh, a much more effective because like you said, if you put much, like money behind it at that point, now it's going to really right. take off. You're going to get viral shares. You're going to get viral um, uh, engagement because... You, it's, you already know it's, it's effective. Yeah. And we, we, so what, when I say recycle, we, we recycle something at least three times. And so a really good analogy would be, I, I, I prefer Instagram is my favorite platform and, you know, people, people have their own platform. I prefer Instagram. So we actually will take something and we'll run it three different ways on Instagram. Uh, an example would be a piece of content that is super short, like trending audio content. I like to call it like a B-roll trending audio, eight seconds or less. And it's got a really rich caption. So we'll take that. And then we'll say, okay, that performed really well. So we'll wait, you know, about, you know, five to six weeks is kind of the, the sweet spot sometimes a little sooner, sometimes a little bit longer. And then we'll take that and we'll turn that into like a carousel post. So we're going to make it more of an informative post where people can actually read through it and click through it. And then if that performs well, then I might take that and I might turn that into a talking head video where I'm actually talking about it a little bit more. And if it continues to perform, that's when we're like, okay, so this is great. Now let's figure out which of those three pieces performed better. Right. And then now let's put money behind that piece. So if, whether it be a talking head, whether it be a carousel, those short form, whatever it is, uh, then we start to see those people, uh, in, the people that already liked it or now they're commenting on it. Like they may have liked it before, but now they're commenting or then they're sharing it. So we start to see a little bit more of that content actually work for us after that recycling of it. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes a ton of sense. The other, um, so we talked about consistency already, but I think there's another part of it, which I, I think is important too. So 
I have a friend, um, and he he just got one of those silver YouTube plaques, and uh, he was celebrating that with his with his two sons. He's got two young sons, and he was saying um, that he made a commitment to post one video every week, every, like no matter what, and uh, and so he it didn't grow super fast. It took him about eight years, but he made that commitment eight years ago. And because he never stopped doing it, and he said he did it, he accomplished it. He's like, he never missed a week out of all those eight years. And I think that sometimes, you know, when we go to do something, we fall into, um, you know, I'm, I'm just as bad as this is I'll, I'll go along for a while. And then maybe like three, four months in, I'll take a break. And then I'll pick it up again and then I'll keep going. And so it looks consistent to the outside because you're saying like, oh, look, this guy's always on it, but not, there's actually a break in the middle. And that break is killing the engagement or the flow that would otherwise be yeah. there. And, um, and I think that's the other piece that you were kind of mentioning. And I think that's important because you've got the two, the two problems. One is the, like, are you measuring it? Which is what you were saying. Like, how do you even know that it's having an impact if you're, if you're just trying to do everything all at once? But the other side of it is, is actually, um, keeping that consistency so that you actually see the fruit of your effort because you might be right there, but you might be right there after, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months, uh, over, you know, and then, and then kind of just, uh, translate that over the course of two, three years. And now all of a sudden you have this big audience and you've got the engagement that you're looking for. Yep. I think, I think I see that a lot is that people try to do, like you said, too much, too much at once because it's shiny object. I mean, especially in the real estate space, I'm sure other, other industries are the same way, but we get so many people trying to sell us leads and the next big thing and the next big technology. And, you know, um, it just, it's really easy to try to jump ship and do something else because you're getting more immediate results. Cause in this immediate gratification society, no one wants to actually put in the work to get the results that happen long-term. And I'm going to take it right back to the gym again. I started my, my fitness I was 16 really when I started in fitness, right? But I really got into it when I turned 30 and I was like, okay, all of a sudden my, I'm starting to notice these changes in my body and the way that I feel and the energy levels. And I'm like, okay, I've got to switch up some things in my diet, you know, and it's been, I'm now 44 years old. So for the last 14 years, I am constantly, I'm doing the same thing, the same thing in the gym. I've got the same pattern, same routines. I, I, I switch them up here and there. But it works because now I can literally say, okay, I can go in. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to get in and out of the gym in 40 minutes. And I don't have to find some little exit short workout thing to just make my life easier. You know, and, and I don't have to try to make it work for me. Right. And now I can easily say, okay, uh, because I've been doing the same things, being consistent about my system for the last, you know, 14 years fully. Um, it's really easy for me to say, okay, you know what? Now it's not that big of a deal. If I decide I want to go and I want to have dessert, it's not that big of a deal. I don't stress out about it. Right. So I think like when people start to find those things that are kind of working, kind of working, that's a good indicator that it, it probably going to work. It's probably going to work because it's kind of working. So how are you tracking that? How, how are you measuring that? Uh, and then how are you actually like making, you know, making sure that you're doing it long term? My, my kind of general rule is that you have to try any sort of marketing effort for a minimum of 90 days, minimum, 
minimum. But if it's something like farming, for example, you've got to try that for almost two years before you decide, okay, this is enough for me, enough for me. Um, but I also think like when it comes to like measuring and tracking, there's, there's things, other things other than just like KPIs or metrics. There's like, okay, could I have changed on marketing efforts? Could I have changed my copy? What's different about this? What, what words are different? What, what can I do about the image? Like little tiny things that you can, little adjustments you can make, but still have the same strategy. But I mean, that all goes back to like not having a plan. <laughs> if, I could, if you're starting something and you're not finishing, it all goes back to just not having a plan. So it's just like dieting. It's just like the fad diets that are out there right now. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to do keto all of a sudden. And then, you know, 30 days later, oh, I need some carbs. So <laughs> it's because you don't have a plan. You don't think about long-term effects. Is like, you know, there are three macronutrients in a diet, proteins, carbs, and fats, and they're all there for a reason. And the trick is really to have a plan about how to do it in a balanced way that's not going to make you feel overwhelmed and not make you feel like you're missing something. It's funny. Um, I actually just used uh, ChatGPT to help me create a mm-hmm. meal plan uh, because I, you know, I do a lot of cycling, and uh, I, I've been noticing that, you know, just a couple of years ago, I'd get on the bike, and just the way my physique works is that um, I would hit whatever whatever my goal was very quickly, and uh, and then this last year. I haven't been seeing the same kind of gains. And so then I just went to chat GPT and I just, I, I was curious because hanging out with Marcus, yeah. you know, Marcus, so yeah. Marcus is this like <laughs> fitness guy. Yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's, he, he's very, very, um, he's into his carnival diet. And so we, we stayed in an Airbnb together in LA and I got to see how he lives his life and he lives his life exactly like he says he lives his life. He wakes up at four in the morning, doesn't matter how late we go to bed. And, uh, he's still up and he's going to the gym and he's spending his time and he's, he spends his time meditating and then does all this stuff. And, um, and, but every night he eats like an animal. It's hilarious to watch, but he's got his carnival diet. So he's consuming a lot of protein. And so I was thinking, you know, like how much protein do I need to be eating as a cyclist? And I looked it up and it's about two grams for every kilogram. So I've, that's basically, it's like roughly a gram per pound. And, uh, and I, so then I put in my diet that I am eating. And it's like, you would laugh because you go to the gym. So you're like, this is way too little. I was eating 30 grams of protein most people. That's with most people. And you're probably, because you're a cyclist, it's more cardiovascular. You need, you need more carbs to replenish your muscles. Like for me, I, I need a lot more protein. Yes. I, need, I do about one and a qu- one and a quarter grams per pound of protein right now. Uh, just because like for me, I'm about putting on muscle. And then when I'm trying to maintain, it goes down to about 0.8 grams per, per, per pound. So yeah, so so that's uh, that was the the reality check I had is that I thought it was about more carbs, oh, really? but because I'm doing mostly strength training, I'm working my uh, my power numbers up. I want to increase my you know increase my VO two max, increase that three and five minute and the strength power, the absolute max that my body can perform. Um, so it's so I was way under. So I needed to increase the amount of um, the grams of, of protein that I was eating to about 160. And, uh, that was a big, yeah, it was a big jump from, from 30. And, but I saw the gains within two weeks with it. I was, it was actually shocking. I went my, um, the number of Watts that I was producing within an hour increased about 30 Watts Hmm. and, uh, which is pretty like substantial within two weeks. And I realized, oh, I've just been starving myself. And so the, uh, but again, that goes down to you know, it's like, there's a strategy, there's a strategy that's working when you plan it and you do a little bit of work. And I thought it was funny. I could use chat GPT yeah. for this, that it was I able to give me the meal plans, but the, 
so yeah, I do too. Yeah. It's so cool. And and I, I'm playing with like a bunch more of the the other tools as well recently. It's just been really getting creative. But the uh, so when you um, when you said that it kind of works, like when you see something that kind of works, it's kind of it's the same thing. It's like well, maybe I sh- it's like the curiosity. Maybe I should be doubling down on protein. Maybe I should be. Um, wh- how, what is what is an indicator for you or an example of something that was kind of working that you looked at and you said, okay, maybe I should be working more on that. So for me, I can, I can use social media. So I've done various different types of like social media marketing, if you will, I've done various different types of coaching programs and various different things and they all work. They all work. But for me, I wasn't getting the, the result that I want. I was, I was finding myself spending a lot of money. Right. And instead of wanting to try to figure out, or, or instead of just like, trying to first instead of trying to just figure out what within all the money I was spending because like you had said I'm finding content that maybe isn't working well and I'm just boosting that or I'm putting money behind that right and because that's what I was told and that's that's what I thought was the best best way to do it but then I just found myself one month <laughs> spending an insane amount of money on ads and literally like nothing was happening I got cool reach like I had one video where I had like 40,000 reach cool right but what I had found was that even though I had 40,000 reach and I could use that in my listing presentations to say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, 40,000 reach, I was finding myself at a loss to try to say, but 40,000 reach resulted in X amount of showings because it would result in zero amount of showings. So for me, that's kind of what was the indicator for me. It's kind of working. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of get, I'm getting more traction because what was happening is I was getting more followers, right? I was getting more engagement on some of my other stuff. I was getting more of, I was getting noticed more. People were seeing me everywhere. And that was really important to me. So it was kind of working. But what I had to figure out is, okay, how do I take that, that reach? And how do I take that into tangible results? So when I'm walking into a listing appointment, I'm not just bloating myself up saying, Hey, I got 40,000 reach. I'm like, Hey, Mr. Seller, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I have, you know, I might only have 300 reach on this, but that 300 reach actually turned into two showings on your, on your house. So to me, that was a, that's, that's what I was trying to get to. And so that's an example of kind of working, but really having to track the results, kind of like you going from 30 to 160 grams of protein. Like you can just all of a sudden try to eat 160 grams of protein, or you can try to like figure out what you are currently eating that has high protein that you like that you can maybe incorporate more or double down on that. Right. And that's what I was doing. That's what I had to do is figure out how to get maybe less reach, spend less money, <laughs> got tired of throwing money away, uh, spend less money, but then actually get better results from it. Cause the, to me, I'm a bot, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bottom line person. I'm like, what's the bottom line? What's this, how is this actually going to impact me, my team, my client, my business, all of the above? Yeah. Okay. That that is very clear. So, if you're working on something and you're seeing that you're getting part of the story there. So, if you are, um, in this case, you're you've got uh, and you know content and you're boosting it and you're getting a certain amount of traction. You're getting you're getting awareness. You're getting reach. People are seeing it. Then it's the question is, okay, how do I link that result to the next result that yeah. I want? And so on yeah. and so forth. Because you're 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 basically there. You're just you're just figuring it out. Another thing I've noticed about you, Linnea, just um having observed you now, is that you are constantly um you're you're like an always learning mm-hmm. person. You're 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 always green. You're you're constantly learning. You're learning from other people, you're learning from Maybe you could share a little bit about your philosophy behind that and, and why you are constantly learning. It's really funny is when I was in corporate, they like to do strength finders. Have you heard of strength finders? And 
I was going to ask you about yeah. strength finders because I was curious my about top, yours. My top, my top okay. strength is learner. <laughs> so okay, learner there you futuristic. go. And then, um, you know, if you look at my disc, like if I, I did a full insights analysis on my disc and it says like, I'm a learner, right? For example, I'm on a mission to read a hundred books this year because I firmly believe that you can learn from every book. I read fiction, nonfiction. I read any genre. I read about anything and everything that I want to read about. Um, so, and I finished 83 of my hundred books just by the way. So I'm almost there. But part of the reason is like, um, I think Darren Hardy said it in his book, uh, the entrepreneur roller coaster, which is a great book. I just finished it. If you want to listen to a good book, it's real good. I also love Darren Hardy, but he said, and this is what I've always believed. I just never heard it put in these words. He said that knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only the ability to have power, right? Knowledge is the ability to have power because people like to say knowledge is power. So the more I learn, the more knowledge I have, or the more I learn, the more power I have. And that's not true. What I, what I like to learn is because I am, I'm also an implementer. So I like to learn so I can actually try something so I can actually see how it goes. Um, like I want to learn so much. I, and this year, I'm like on a big quest to like master my finances. Right? I'm, I'm trying to make a million. I want to make a million dollars, and I want to do it in 12 months. And I know that I can do it. Right. So I'm learning every little thing that I can. Where to save? Where to cut? Like what type of like what type of uh, banking system I can use? Like Profit First was one of the first books I read this year, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so powerful. So I actually take what I learned, a piece of everything that I learned, and I implement it. I don't try to implement everything. Because let's be real, I'm, I'm one person, I can't do it. But I try to take from everyone and everything, every interaction I have, I try to take one piece of that and ask, how can I, how can I be better? How can I use this to help the people around me be better? Because that's, that's really where, where real power comes from, is using the knowledge that you have to develop and, and grow and strengthen other people. Um, and that's why I like to do it. Cause it, it, it just, it fulfills me. Like I like to learn because it makes me happy. Like, you know, and beyond learning, I actually like to, to use the knowledge that I have. Okay. Yeah. That okay, makes a ton of sense. I'd love to know more about like, so, so what other strengths do you have? Okay. So it was learning futuristic, um, collaborate. Yeah. What is futuristic forward thinking? Yeah, it might, I don't, it might, it might be, I don't know if it's futuristic or future, but it's learning, future, um, uh, communication, collab, communication, collaboration. And then what was the fifth one? I can't remember. It's been a while, but I remember those ones. It's future thinking and learning. Um, and I also remember when we did Strength Finders, we had to like sit there and figure out what your floors and your ceilings were. And they said that my floor was that I could just take a bunch of knowledge and not use it. And that was kind of, I'm a driver. I, I get driven by people telling me I can't do something. I'm like, oh, okay, well, there we go. So <laughs> I get, I'm really driven by that kind of thing. Um, but those were my other, my other four. What about you? I'm so learner is one of mine as well. Uh, ideation is one of mine. Uh, I'm trying to remember them. Uh, I can't remember them all. The, the I, I remember we did we did a strengths finder once with our entire team, and uh, Steve and I were kind of laughing because we realized we were both like four out of my strengths and four out of his strengths were both in the strategic side, and uh, like no wonder. <laughs> and I was like, "This is why you have yeah. a team, yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because uh, we would be the the idea is that if you if you have all your strengths in one thing, that's great. But um, if you if you can have your strengths in the different quadrants um, as a team, that makes you a, very, a much more healthy, better operating organization because you can be much more effective. And uh, but I, I did laugh when I saw that the 
uh, so learner, I'm the same as you. I can, I'm like a sponge, right? It's, I just keep learning. And, um, it, it's one of those things. It's a great strength to have. I'm sure it's annoying to everybody because I, I have so many facts that if I start to go down the, the trail of, um, talking about studies or research or anything, any topic, uh, it, it's that, uh, th- there's a lot of facts in there, but, I, I enjoy it. I'm not reading a hundred books though this year. I should. I should definitely step up my game. The- it's a big commitment. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. There's been sometimes I'm like, okay, all right, like I'm done. I don't want to read anymore. I don't like, you know, because I'm really it was I think it was like that last year I allowed myself, allowed myself to start reading fiction. Because, you know, you're in the entrepreneur space, the business space, people are like, Oh, I don't want to read fiction. It's just I'm all about personal growth and professional growth. And don't get me wrong, I'm about that too. But I started learning <laughs> that my uh my creativity i have i have, my creativity has expanded since i started actually reading fiction because if you read a really good like author like there's one my favorite author her name is taylor jenkins reed and the way that she develops a character in every single book that i've read i've read she has 14 books i've read 12 of them every single book that she that she writes i feel like i know the character i feel like i'm right there with them i feel like i i'm in there and i can i can feel it and so for me, that's really expanded my creative knowledge. It's allowed me to, to really like start thinking about all these different ways that I can help other people, all these different ways that I can serve, these different ways that I can grow. And it's allowed my, 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 the right side of my brain to like <laughs> go crazy because the left side of my brain is active all the time because I'm, I'm a very strategic person, but the right side of my brain I have to work on. And what I found is that the only way for me to do that is to actually read other people's creativity. I, I love that. The uh, I, I recently read a book. I was in um, we 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 rented a uh, a cabin uh, in on Vancouver Island. I was looking over the ocean. It was a beautiful spot. And while we were there, there were so many books. There were books in all the shelves. Like every cupboard had had books on it. And so I picked up a book and I started reading it. And I I kind of relate to what you're saying because the it was a fiction, but the um, the character development was so profound that I learned so much from mm-hmm. that character. I learned, I thought, because you're stepping into their shoes and, you, and it's like a different way of thinking. It's a different way of processing information. It's a different way of of even structuring your day. And uh, I, I do find that it's really interesting. I, I do like that kind of thing. The um, And and for me right now, uh, it, it's, you know, I have two daughters. I have, uh, she, I have a seven-year-old and then I have a four who's almost a five-year-old. And my mission right now is that uh, as they navigate their early, like, so my four-year-old, she's in kindergarten, my five, my seven-year-old, she's in grade two. Um, they're navigating a lot of scenarios mm-hmm. that can be kind of complicated and overwhelming with like relationships and teachers and all these different things. And so I've really made it my mission just to make sure I'm there to serve them. And so every bedtime, I probably spend, I spend a lot of time with them. I spend maybe like an hour or two hours every night just with them at bedtime. And like, I, I find that that's where I've decided I, I'm like, they're my most important people in my life other, my, other than my wife. She's my, you know, my number one. And then I'm my two girls. And so, um, I just want to make sure I'm really investing in them. And, and I know it's a season, but, um, I, yeah, I just want to see them thrive. That's definitely such a big part of, um, what's driving me at this moment. The, so for, as you are, like learning and uh and and implementing these things into your business and obviously you're sharing it with others which is really cool um sort of painting a roadmap the question i have for you is 
how did you, how are you distilling the information that you're learning and, um, and, and creating these frameworks that are, are so productive for you? Because you've, you've obviously are implementing them to great success. So, so maybe let's start there. Like, so, so, so what are you doing that is creating the success in your business? You know, being that you are having to do it and also do so much other stuff. Cause in the real estate business, for anyone who doesn't know it, there's a lot of things you need to be able to manage. You're, you're, you're managing people. You're, you're, um, managing transactions. You're having to connect the dots and so many things, lenders, financing. Um, in some cases, there's renovations that will work or there's preparation. You have to, yeah. there is just a yeah. lot of different things. And that's just, and that's just on on that aspect. Then you have um, the, the legalities, the contracts, the um, making sure that everybody got those those things signed at, in time. Uh, sometimes you're you're hunting after people because they, there's there's one thing that's delaying the the um, process, and it's literally going to like it could terminate the whole deal if it doesn't if it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's simple negotiations, and then you have the other side of it, which is so critical well then you have marketing so now you got to market the properties you got to market yourself you got to market the um and then then of course you have just the um you know build your pipeline so it's it's a lot so how are you in the midst of like um what is i would actually say a very um complex business able to be so productive and efficient and create that um um the outcomes that that you're having it's not me it's my team i have a really good team (laughs) I learned, um, I learned really early on what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And while I could probably do everything in my job, everything that I do, um, I'm not the best at everything. I'm not, I don't want to be the best at everything. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be a master of the three things that are most important in my life, the three things. And that means that everything else gets washed off my plate. So what I'm really, really good at is con- I'm concepts. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a visionary, right? If you're looking at visionary, I am not the integrator. I am a visionary. And I also know come, some, of the, um, some of the weaknesses or some of the downsides of being a visionary. Like being a visionary means that a lot of ideas get thrown out there. And you know, unless you have a really strong integrator, someone who can actually take those ideas and actually, actually prioritize them and actually like work through them, uh, it can feel like it's a bunch of chaos. Like it's a bunch of chaos. Like I, 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 I admit one of my, one of my things that I've really focused on trying to grow in is like, I want to, I mean, I have, I have four businesses. I have my own personal real estate business. I have a real estate team. Um, I have my, uh, EXP organization, which is a, a, diff, a little bit of a different thing than my, my real estate team. Uh, and then I have my, my coaching business that I'm working on. And now I'm like, okay, I have another business mine. I got another. So, so for me, it's really easy to be like, okay, let's just go and do this one now too. But if I wasn't surrounded by the right people that can actually like take my vision, like with you and Steven being that strategic person, this, that strategic mind. I mean, if you didn't have all those other people there trying to tell you, okay, we got to stop, we got to wait, you know, we can't really roll it out to everyone else yet. It, it could, it could be chaos. Right. 
And I think that's how I'm able to focus on the things that are actually working is I have everyone on my team has things that they focus on things that things that they know I have salespeople, I have a marketing person, I have an admin, um, I'm now bringing on a, an ops director. So um, pretty excited. She starts in like six days, and I can't come soon enough. <laughs> so I'm now bringing on an ops director. And you know, and, and think the other things like I outsource finances, like I have a CPA, a bookkeeper. Like I, I can't even like, we just met yesterday and she's like, why are you spending this much money? I'm like, I don't know. Why'd you let me do it? <laughs> anyway, So that's really how I, that's how I'm managing in this, in this market. The other thing that I'm doing, um, is I'm focusing on the things that are actually in my control. Like right now in the real estate space, we just talked about it on my call. We have a lot of things against us right now, this whole NAR thing right? We have the whole follow-up boss being bought out thing. We have the interest rates. We have, you name it, like you name all these things that like people are uh, housing affordability, all these things that are really not in my control. There's literally nothing I can do about that. I can't, I can't do anything about Zillow buying follow-up boss. I can't do anything about the NAR, uh, whatever, the NAR judgment. I can't do anything about that. But what I can do is I can control how my team is going to respond to that. How is my team going to respond to the NAR, the NAR thing? How's my team going to respond to that? What, what practices are we going to change in our business? What are we going to do? Like, how is that going to affect our clients? And I can control the narrative there. So I think that that's the other thing that um, is really helping me stay productive right now is obviously being surrounded by the right people, but focusing on focusing on the things that I can actually control. Like I, people like we're wasting so much time complaining about all these things. I'm like, think about all the energy you're using complaining, like all that energy that you're using complaining about something that you literally have no power over, like take that and filter that into creativity, content production, marketing, client services, talking to people. I mean, look at how much more we could get done. Uh, and so that's, that is, that's how, I mean, it's not a secret at all. So who was your first hire? Who was the first person you brought onto your team? First person I brought onto my team was an assistant. Uh, she came on with me in 2020. She was with me for till beginning, uh, middle, beginning or middle of this year. Um, and uh, she, I mean, she really shaped my business, <laughs> really shaped my business. Um, and then really it kind of turned into my business needs were a little more than what she was available to work. So, you know, we had to kind of move there, but it was a, it was her. And then I had a TC come on board. I kind of dabbled in ISAs here and there really learned that's not my business model. Um, and then I brought on, um, a marketing VA. Uh, then I had brought on, I brought on two buyer's agents and then I brought on uh, an admin and uh, admin VA and now I'm bringing out an office manager. Makes sense. Now, what what were some of the um, tasks that you gave your admin? Um, so at first, it was all because I, at the time, it was all um, I was doing like so much so much video content. It was like posting videos, you know, making sure um, you know clients were getting my cards sent out, like helping manage my database. She was kind of just doing dabbling in a little bit of everything, and then we kind of learned like like me, she was not good at everything. There were some things she just. Her brain, her brain did, could not process some things. So we kind of said, okay, let's take some of that off your plate. And now let's bring on like the TC side. Because, you know, the TC, you really got to have a TC, in my opinion, who's actually part of your team. I think outsourcing a TC is not a good thing. Um, so we kind of went through different iterations of that. <clears throat> but then I started to, because I'm, a, I'm really, I, I'm really into 
I, I really pay attention to people. I really pay attention to strengths. I, I, my coach, my leadership style is a coach. I'm definitely not a manager. I hate it. Like I don't like being a manager, but I'm a coach. And as a coach, I think it's important to be able to see people's strengths and play to those strengths. I mean, that's what Pete Carroll does. I mean, that's what any of the NFL coaches do. Basketball coaches, they see strength. I yeah. And they, that, I love Pete yes. Carroll too. I mean, I'm in Seattle. So, uh, but he, like as a coach, one thing he, he does that I really, I really admire is he finds those strengths in people and he puts the players in the right position. And so that's what I've done is I've really like taken my players and said, okay, so this is how that's going to work. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm also, I've also let a lot of people go because they just, they didn't have the right values. They didn't have the right mindset. They didn't have the right, like the right core values for my business. But most people, when I bring them on, it's like, this is where you belong. Like, let's, let's figure out how we can fit you into there. Um, and that's kind of how I built my team. And so now I'm just, I'm, I'm just really focused on making my agents be higher producers than me. I don't want to be a top producer anymore. I want them to be the producers. So I want to focus on them. I want to focus on helping other agents. Um, I want to focus on everyone but me right now. I mean, it is, it is, it is a selfish reason because I, it makes me happy. Right. But ultimately it's how can I make them better? I love that. I, I love, uh, I, I love your whole philosophy around, um, you know, helping make other people successful. I think you shared it to me that that's really like your core passion or your core mm-hmm. love, uh, which is so good to find that out and, and know. Um, so for, how do you define the difference between managing versus coaching? Um, managing is saying, what exact, tell me exactly what you did today. How long did it take you to do it? Did you do this? Did you do that? Right. Managing is, um, what I call consequence. It's like based on consequences. It's like, you're not doing this. So this is going to happen to you. Right. So it's like it's that consequence, that consequence theory. A coach, like I said, is someone who finds the strengths in people and plays those strengths. And yes, we want to help people, help people understand their ownership and the things that they're not doing well. But really, instead of me, like, it, instead of me telling them, Hey, you, you're horrible at this, um, or, you know, how, how can we make sure that this is still getting done while you're feeling like you're happy, right? So I'm still telling them these are the needs that I need, I have for my business, but how can we utilize their strengths to make sure this gets done? I think that's the big difference between um, managing. Like I, the manager is a micromanager, like punch in, punch out every day. Like, you know, why didn't you do this? This isn't done. Did you follow up? Did you follow it? Blah, 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 blah. Right. A, a coach is someone who, who inspires people and guides people and really like de- develops people. Yeah. I, I, that makes sense. The, it's funny. I, I naturally gravitate towards coaching personalities. I think mm-hmm, me too. it's just, it's one of those. Yeah. It's, 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 you, you can't help it. Right. Like it, you know, it's somebody who inspires you. Like you said, they believe in you. They see the potential They're Um, they're, they're exciting to be around and, uh, and you just you just want to go and and deliver the um, and then as you're uh, you know so so you 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 went from a admin to a transactional coordinator uh, and then you kind of have grown out from there and now you're building your um, you know now you, now you're helping other agents kind of implement some of these same things for themselves which is really really cool so uh, stepping back like twenty thirty years. Um, what would be something that you would tell yourself if you were to meet yourself then that you wish you had known or that you know today that you'd want them to know? God, there's so many, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> I think, the, I think, you know, as a, as a kid, 
I was always told that I was too much that like, you know, you don't want to ask questions. You don't want to be nosy. You don't want to like butt in. Right. But I, and I always fit more in with like the adults than with the kids. Like I was always one of those. I don't know if you have any of your girls are like that, where they like, they like the adults more than the kids. Um, <laughs> and so, <Yeah. laughs> and so, but like as a kid, I was told that you're too much, right? Like I actually had a baby <laughs> tell me that I laughed too much. Like, you know, in school I was told I talked too much and, you know, I was told I had a chip on my shoulder because I would question, I would ask a lot of questions. People would always tell me something an adult would tell me something or an authority figure would tell me something and I would question it. Not because I didn't trust them or didn't believe them, but I gen- I'm a curious person. And I'm like, wait, that might not make sense. And so I, I was really like, I've really always kind of thought for myself. So if I were to go back and meet, you know, 10 year old Linnea versus mid forties Linnea, I would say, keep ask more questions, ask more questions, because, you know, I think it's really easy as like a young person, you, you don't, you don't want, you don't want to feel nosy. You don't want to feel like you're asking, you're, you're, you're asking too many questions, but you start to lose the curiosity as you get older. And you realize that that curiosity is really what makes you grow. Like if you're not curious about things, you're going to be stagnant. And um, I think that's probably, yeah, that's the, the biggest lesson I would ever, I, I have given myself is, just be ask more questions, be more curious. Like, even if I think I'm done, I still want to know like what would happen if, which by the way, goes back to a plan, which is why I like having a plan in the beginning, because I'm like, what would happen if this went wrong? What would happen if this went right? What could happen if all these things go right? Or if all these things go right, and then there's something that goes wrong, how can it like, so I'm always asking questions about how, how things work. Um, or how people tick, or or why is someone acting that way, or why are they underperforming, or why are they overperforming, or why, you know, just be more curious. Yeah. So many times, I think as kids, like, or young, you know, we have super strengths, superpowers, and we don't realize it. And then just being able to ask the, the question, to dig a, like one layer deeper, I think that is a superpower. And if you are curious and you always, and you always, you remain curious, um, you're going to start to figure out like, what is the, what is the essence of the, the thing that's causing whatever it is that you're, you're looking into. And once you figure that out, it's like, you, you start to realize that other things can change. Um, but if you know the essence, you, you figure like, um, simple example, but Kodak films, you know, they, they were, you know, a pretty substantial player back in the day for photography. But I don't think they were asking the questions because when the world is changing, they were doubling down on film because that was their competency. But if they'd asked themselves the question, like they've gone deeper down into like, what is their purpose? What is their core? It would have been capturing experiences, capturing the moment, right? And if they just thought about it, just like one layer deeper or two layers deeper, I think it would have totally pivoted their business model and they wouldn't have seen um, digital as a threat, they would have seen it as this really exciting opportunity that would put them in a position where they could even they could capture even yeah. more memories yeah. than than they realized they were before. And so, but instead, they 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 didn't get curious. They stayed at we are a film company. Well, that's I mean, that's, that's kind of Amazon, right? Like if Jeff Bezos had not asked himself back when he was selling books out of his garage, if he had not asked himself like what else could happen. What else can I do? Amazon wouldn't be what Amazon is today. You know, Jeff Bezos wouldn't be one of the most rich, one of the richest men in the world. Right. So I think like that curiosity can take you 
the curiosity can take you far. The lack of curiosity can kill you. Just like your, your example was like, like Kodak and like, like Blockbuster and all those other places. Like you know, the, the biggest, the biggest thing is like Netflix versus Blockbuster, right? Cause Netflix really overtook all of the in-person video stores. Um, and so I think it's because they were, they were curious and I can just say this real quick. <laughs> I think it, it really, it kind of relates really well to real estate too, because they always say, you got to know what your why is. Like, what's your why, right? And the only, and I have so many people, I don't know if you hear it, but people tell me all the time, I, I can't, I don't know what my why is. I don't know what my why is. And I'm like, how do you not know? Like, how do you not know? It's because you're not asking yourself enough questions. You're not, you're not digging, you're not kind of peeling back the layers, the layers. Of, my husband likes to describe me as an onion. <laughs> He's like, look, I peel back a layer and it gets a little <laughs> bit stronger. I peel back a layer, it gets a little bit stronger. So, so you're not peeling back the layers enough to, to really learn like what is driving you? What really, what's, what's driving you? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. I actually worked with a guy, uh, we had him come into our team, into our, um, and it was about a month, every uh, once a week for about a month, he worked with all of us um, on figuring out individually what were our core values, what was our core, um, some of the core drivers. And then ultimately, the final question came down to um, what was our core why, like our purpose individually. And I found the process was so helpful because it took from what started as a very like abstract, broad thing. And we, everybody, you, you know, you always left with a little bit of homework and you have to have it for the next week. But then by the end, I had this concise sense of my purpose. And I was like, oh, of course, that's what it's always been. I just didn't have a way to communicate mm-hmm. it. And, um, and and obviously there's there's things like there's something that drew someone, whether it's subconscious or not, to the thing that they're doing, whether it was because they wanted to serve somebody, whether because they love to connect with people, whether it's because they love to connect the dots for people or they're, in your case, like to grow individuals or to help people be successful. It's like... Um, it's always, it's there. It's just that we're acting on it sometimes subconsciously, but when we know it, we can be so much more intentional with where we put our time and effort because it's like, is this moving us towards the thing that we are, we are really designed to do? Like, you know, I think everybody's got this amazing gift. Um, Linnea, I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, is there anything that you like would love to, um, leave, leave the audience or the listener with? Yeah, you know, I think um, if you can do anything, right, just find the one thing and do it the best. Just be the best at one thing. If you can do just one thing and you can be the best at it, then you can slowly start to do do more things. So um, that would be my my thing. Ask a lot of questions and do one thing and do it the best you possibly can. Like me, social media. That's what I, I'm, I'm the best. That that is like my mastery. I've mastered it. I figured it out. I've learned how to like put content. I've learned how to like repurpose the content. I've learned how to recycle the content. I've learned how to get people converting from content to conversion. Like, and I've mastered that. Um, so that's what I would say is like find one thing, be the absolute best at it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Be the samurai. <laughs> yeah. Um so so for uh y- yourself, like where where can people 
reach you? How can they connect with um, you? Lots of ways. You can find me on Instagram at Linnea Carver, Facebook at Linnea Carver Realtor. Uh, I'm on YouTube at Linnea Carver. I'm at TikTok at Linnea Carver Home Team. Um, I also have a course that I uh, am rolling out or that I actually have rolled out. <laughs> the next the next session starts November 16th, uh, where I teach real estate agents how to do what I've done on social, how to become social media masters. Uh, social media samurais. Oh my God. I think you might have found the name of the, the name. I'm like, what's the name supposed to be? Um, but right now I call it Fix My Systems uh, with an emphasis on social media. Um, and that rolls out November 16th. And I can give you information on that if you want that. That's awesome. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. And I hope, I hope you, if you're listening to this, you do reach out to Linnea. Um, I've known her for a long time. And everything she does, she does it to excellence, a level of precision and, and um, execution that is hard to match. And it's very cool to see. So thank you, Linnea. Again, really appreciate it. Thank you.